Welcome to the Future Financial Planners podcast, brought to you by the Financial Planning Association of Australia. Whether you're a student, a graduate, or an early career advisor, join us as we dive into the ins and outs of becoming a financial planner. I'm your host, Azaria Bell, bringing you tips from the experts on career strategy, sanity, and success. Today's episode is focused on looking at the future of financial planning, what you can expect, and how you can use your unique skills, dreams, and passions to influence the financial planning profession. I'll be joined by Marissa Broom, Chair of the FBA and Certified Financial Planner. We discuss the changes that have occurred in the profession over the last few years, how they affect you, what we can learn from experienced advisors, how to start building your name and network, and what resources are available to help you succeed. Marissa, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to be invited to be here. Well, I've been looking forward to this episode throughout the whole season. I thought um, we've covered so much so far. We've talked about things like what it's actually like to be a financial planner, um, the education and training requirements, how to structure your degree, getting that first job. And I thought, what a perfect way to end off the series and talking to Marissa, the chair of the FPA, and looking forward into the future of the financial planning industry. Oh, thank you. That makes me feel far more important than I am. But I have to say, I think I'd like to interview you because I've watched you progress from being, you know, one of our student award winners through to having this new career um, with a few different changes in, um, in what you're doing. And you're still getting back to our profession as well. So I think I'd like to almost turn the tables on you and interview you in the process. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Marissa. I really appreciate that. And the support that I've got from the FBA since I started in financial planning as a uni student has been just so amazing and transformed my career. So I'm really excited to have the opportunity to encourage future students to do the same thing because all the resources that the FBA provides are truly so valuable and have helped me get really far. So I hope this podcast can be like that for others too. Oh, you're a wonderful advocate. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have a ton of questions I want to ask you today, Marissa, so I might just jump right into them if that's okay with you. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So probably the biggest thing that would be a concern on the minds of people that are coming into the industry is obviously in the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of change happening in the financial planning uh, industry. Obviously, one of the biggest things is that there's been the introduction of more comprehensive education requirements. Uh, And as a result, we've actually seen some existing advisors exit the profession. Now, for us who are coming into the industry um, straight out of university, should that be a concern for us or is this actually an opportunity? Oh, there is no doubt in my mind this is an opportunity. This is the most amazing opportunity. So uh, I've been a financial planner longer than most of the listeners and even you have been born. And... Uh, I have been fighting that whole time for us to be recognised as a profession. And it's really important to me that, you know, we say that this is a profession, we're an emerging profession, but we're a profession. And we finally got comprehensive education standards, which all the people coming out of university will have met automatically before they actually start their first job. So we've finally got education as one pillar. We've got a universal code of ethics as another pillar, and we've got ongoing education standards that have been requirements. So, you know, finally, we've got all the things that mean that you can have a lifelong career as a financial planner and develop whichever direction you want to go in. So I see that as an enormous opportunity. There are so many jobs that are available, and there's going to be even more available going forward. I um, you know, to carry on with that, you know, ASIC, uh, the minister, our current minister for financial services, they all acknowledge that there are not enough financial planners able to give advice. There's an unmet advice need from the Australian consumer. So there are not only jobs out there, but there are clients desperate to find someone to link up to. 
Yeah, and that's really promising to hear because I think what could concern some people is that a few years ago, the the way a lot of people were getting into financial planning was, for example, working for the bigger licensees like the banks. And obviously that's changed a lot now. A lot of them have kind of moved out of financial planning. And I think there could be a misconception that that means that there are less jobs as a result. Would it be better to say that the landscape just looks different now? Oh, very much looks different. So uh, at the same time, we had those big end of town banks offering financial advice and therefore a career in that space. That was just one of many aspects. You know, the large super funds, many of them have financial planners that are employed, but there's lots of medium-sized financial planning firms that are very much looking at succession planning for their older advisors. So they've got a very active professional year program in play to develop talent that comes through that can partner with an older advisor and eventually, you know, move into taking over that business. Very active programs happening there. So it's very different. And then, you know, you've got the smaller end of town like me. Uh, You know, I've got a a small practice where there's just six of us in the business, but we are going to need succession planning at some stage too. So I very much want to have the space in my business to bring somebody through and train them in the way that we provide advice, which can look quite different to some of those other providers out there. But you've got to find the right niche for you to work in. Yeah, that's exactly it. And when I was at university, this was kind of when the Royal Commission was happening and everything was changing. And that saw the introduction of the professional year. And for me, I actually thought, this isn't actually going to hinder my career in any way. If anything, it's kind of acting as the graduate year um, that financial planning has been missing. You think of accounting or doing a traditional finance major and you go and do your graduate year where you get put through all these different areas of the industry. Financial planning hadn't really had that. So if anything, it's kind of given us a bit more structure leading into our careers. Uh, Look, I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, I have uh, a son that's about to become a lawyer. Uh, He's been working in my practice for a little while and I hope he'll come back to the practice one day. But he's got to go and do his, um, you know, practical legal training and then go through a graduate program in the law firm that he's going to be joining next year. So, you know, that happens in, in all of the established professions and it's so it should in our profession. Um, As I said, it may be an emerging profession, but it's good to have structure. It also helps you understand. I mean, I I think for a long time people thought the only end goal was to be a client-facing financial planner, but there are many, Mm. many other roles in financial planning. I mean, I rely completely on the people that are in my support roles in my business. They don't choose to be client-facing, but they're far better than me technically. So they might be client service people. They know more about my clients probably than I do. They may be in a paraplanner role. So I think the PY also allows you to work out just where you fit in terms of your client or your, sorry, career development on the way through. Yeah, absolutely. And what is it do you think that maybe the fresh young advisors coming straight out of university can bring to this industry? I think they're not uh, laden with the baggage of the way things used to be. I think that's the most exciting thing about it. They can say um, the rules say that we've got client best interest to focus on. It doesn't matter what happened 20 years ago. Going forward, this is how I'm going to deliver advice. I think the other really exciting thing, and it's something that I've done all the way through in my practice, is that we don't believe that product is the solution. We believe strategy is the solution. And so it allows you to have that framework about what is the client client's um, strategy because that's where your intellectual property is that's how you can make money going forward that's where your relationship is with your client and then one of the solutions you've got happens to be a product or a policy or a loan or something that's that's secondary to actually the relationship and the things that you can bring uh, in terms of your skill set and your training. 
Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that concerned me, which I, in hindsight, I didn't need to be concerned about was that you'd see in the news, you'd see numbers um, saying that advisors are leaving the industry. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, who am I going to learn from? Like, does that mean that there's an exit of, of wisdom and knowledge from the industry as well? But if anything, I think the advisors that remain have so much to share with the next generation of advisors and are really willing to do that. So what are some of the things that you think the existing um, experienced advisors in the industry can teach us and, and are they willing to do so? So I think even those that are leaving are wanting to give back. So some people have chosen to leave because it was their natural retirement age anyway. Mm -hmm. So when I joined the FPA board, our average age was about uh, 58. So it was older than even I was at the time. And now our average age is about 45. So there's actually lots of people that were going to already retire regardless of these standards being brought in in play. Mm -hmm. So they're not choosing to leave just because of the standards. They're choosing to leave because that was part of their own financial planning path that they were doing for their own wealth creation and their own comfortable retirement. And they're still wanting to give back. So I've got lots of my peers that are actually still mentoring uh, financial planners. They may still own part of a financial planning practice. They're doing all sorts of things to help them because it's not just that structured professional year that's really important as much as I think that's an advantage going forward as you step into your first career jobs. But it's also the other soft skills that you don't necessarily learn in that PY. And, and really importantly, it's not the business skills that you, you don't learn in the PY. You don't necessarily know how to run a business when you first start practicing as a financial planner. But if your goal is in 10 or 15 years time is to own a business, you've got to start learning that incrementally on the way through. So it's not just the practice of financial planning, but also the business of financial planning that I think the older uh, or the more experienced, I won't say older because sometimes they're younger, but the more experienced financial planners can share yeah, I totally agree. So what do you think some of the qualities or attitudes um, are required for financial planners of the future in this industry? So I think it's a really interesting um, question because a lot of time people think financial planning is just about numbers and about technical skills. And there is no doubt that part of what we do falls into that whole STEM thing, you know, science, you know, being technical, good with maths, all that stuff. But a significant part of the time I spend with my clients is actually the soft skills. It's understanding their emotional intelligence, what stops them making decisions about money, what bad money habits have they learnt on the way through. So, um, you know, I, I think I spend a lot of time being a counsellor unofficially and maybe that's the other skill set I need to go and do future study in is to understand more about their psychology in the same way that I've got all those other technical skills that I've built up on the way through. Um, I think you've also really got to like people. So whether it's the people and the team that you work in or with your clients, you've actually got to like meeting people um, because if you don't have the ability to stare people in the eyes and really get to know them and, and sort of unpack a lot of the issues behind them, whether they be the people you're working for, you've just got to understand about working in a team and working cooperatively and liking people around you. Yeah, for sure. No, that's so true. And I think one thing, one area of advice that excites myself and a lot of my peers is technology. Mm -hmm. um, I'd love to hear how, ex with your experience in the FPA and having your own business um, personally, what do you see any big changes coming in terms of technology and how might that impact the delivery of, of advice in the future? Oh, absolutely. Technology is the thing that will make the difference. And that doesn't mean they're replacing financial planners. What it's actually meaning is it will make financial planning more efficient and make the client be able to share information and access your advice more efficiently. So uh, there's no doubt that there will be some people that will only seek advice from a machine, some sort of robo-advice. That's fine at the beginning of their career. And I imagine for 
Uh, lots of people that are not financially literate, if their super fund or their bank offers them some kind of solution to help them be more financially organised, so be it. But there is no doubt in my mind that at some point in people's lives, they will have to partner with someone to offer them very specific advice. And if a financial planner can offer that using technology more efficiently, um, more cost effectively, then even more people will be able to access advice and financial planners can have more clients in the first place. So I do think it's a case of financial planner plus machine is much better than either one of those things by themselves. And Marissa, you'd be seeing behind the curtain of a lot of the changes that are happening in the financial planning industry being the chair of the FPA. And I know this is going to be a very difficult question to answer because the last five years have seen so much change that a lot of us might not have seen coming. But I'd love to know, what do you think the financial planning industry is going to look like in the next five years? I am so hoping. I mean, I guess it's hard to answer because I mean, I don't have a crystal ball. And frankly, if I did, I'd probably have been retired long ago, uh, <laughs> as much as I love doing what I do. But uh, I really hope that the current Australian Law Reform Review um, that's taking place on Chapter 7 will really come out with an outcome that separates financial product from financial advice. At mm. the moment, about 90% of what I do, I don't need to actually be licensed for. It's only when I talk about product, I need to hold a license. But that's not good from a consumer protection perspective. If you want uh, a consumer to feel like everything they're getting is completely regulated and is completely um, supporting them and that if it's bad advice, they've got a way of actually seeking recourse on it, then we need Chapter 7 not to just be linked to product but actually to be linked to the advice process in a much more simple way than it currently is. In fact, you know, aged care isn't included under that. There's a whole lot of things that aren't included under that, but they're really critical parts and they're almost in conflict with what the FASEA Code of Ethics expects us to do in taking into account the client's broader scenario. So I know that's long-winded, I know that's a long thing, but I think that if we can get some sense out of that review, um, that will actually simplify a whole lot of the complexity and the, a whole lot of problems we've got in uh, inconsistent interpretation of the law. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think in my time, since I was a student, I've always tried to get out there and talk to existing advisors and learn about what's going on in the industry and, and what I can do to build my career as a financial planner. So I'd love to know, how do you think that the financial planners of tomorrow can get involved in the industry early in their career? Oh, look, the there's a saying that says there's no such thing as a, as a free lunch, but actually there is a free, there's a free membership with the FPA if you're a student. And I'd take advantage of that. It doesn't actually cost you anything more than signing up using your email address to become uh, a, a student member and get access to all the resources and all the networks that are there. Uh, I think that's, you know, you were very good uh, and I really appreciate how well you promoted the FPA resources that you used as a student and the networks and the opportunities we provided you. But you've got to take advantage and be able to access them. So to be a student member means you get a newsletters, you get access to webinars, this podcast, a whole lot of other stuff. It's free, it doesn't cost you anything and it's a great, easy first step in your career. Um, I then start linking into people and it's not much as I'm not the biggest advocate of LinkedIn, um, certainly if I link into enough people, I get a view by the things they like and by the things that they see about other people that might be similar to me that I can link into or people that in my network that might be looking for a candidate might be an appropriate person for one of the, my other people in the network to apply for that job. So I'd start using all those really easy, cheap um, social platform network platforms I'd be using the FPA membership as a way of just starting the connection and working out you know I think even for some courses you've got to do an internship 
FPA can help you on all of those sorts of things as well. So just start by taking that first easy, doesn't cost you anything much more than five minutes to join up using your email. And that's a good start. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with that more. And I think back to um, before I was even working in financial planning and I was just a student and I go to the FBA in-person events, obviously when there were more in-person events, and I'm sure that's all still to come. Um, and I remember always being surprised that the FBA leaders would, would say, use this use the fact that you're a student to your advantage and just go and talk to people and start asking them questions. People love sharing their wisdom and advice. And I imagine for yourself, Marissa, is that true in your experience as well? Oh, so true. I mean, I I remember we've just been lucky enough um, to do some roadshows and I know that we don't want to date this podcast, but, you know, we've been in and out of lockdown in many states of Australia over the last 18 months. And uh, I was lucky enough to meet six fantastic students at one of the roadshows recently. Uh, And it was wonderful to spend about an hour and a half with them after we'd finished the event, just literally talking about what next steps to take. Uh, Even some of them had some electives that they had to choose within their course. And we just talked about the pros and cons of different electives. And that gave them some feedback from very different practitioners about why you would look at someone who had this major or this sub-major within their degree. Um, We are... Without doubt, we are one of the most sharing professions. We do love to share skills, to share opportunities, uh, to share wisdom. And you just need to ask. And I I hazard a guess, well, I don't think I've ever met a financial planner that said no, that they would always make time to share their experiences. Yeah, 100%. And the thing is, you never know what a conversation could lead to as well. I mean, a simple conversation of of an advisor that you've met at an event, that could be, you know, your future your future mentor or even your future boss. So definitely worth being brave and having those conversations. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that one more. Absolutely. You never know. I mean, I, I, years and years ago, before I became a financial planner, I was a business development manager with a fund manager. I met a client very early on. I was in my early 20s. She ended up becoming my first business partner in my first financial planning practice because we developed that relationship over time. And then she and I went on to write one of the first Masters of Financial Planning courses together and then lecture that at university. So um, it's amazing how those initial um, connections can really then develop into, you know, very, very different relationships uh, over the course of, in our case, 35 years. Long time. I know, terribly long time. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I couldn't agree more. And obviously, as we've seen just throughout this conversation, there's so much positivity in the industry and there's so much opportunity. Um, So how can we ignore the noise and focus on the bright futures of the industry? So um, I love this question because I think the noise is about the fact that we've got newer minimum standards. But newer minimum standards actually do not define what your career is going to look like or what a profession looks like. They're the minimum standards. So way back when I became a certified financial planner, to be a financial planner in the market, you had to do two subjects. And way back then, I had to do a whole lot more than that to be a CFP. And I chose to do that because that was part of my personal goal to be the best financial planner I could be at the time. Mm-hmm. And the minimum standards now are where you start. But that, you know, this is a lifelong career of learning. And you need to actually put some thought into what you want to be able to deliver in terms of services, what your ideal client that you like working with, and then actually using the standards as the core of how you develop your business. But from there, actually lift to where you want your business to go. So your standards are your base and everything else is actually the opportunity. So you don't have to then get caught in the noise because you know the noise is actually just covering up the change because there's always noise when there's change, but also the fact that that's the bare minimum and you actually want to be more than that. Yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it for sure. So Marissa, we've covered 
quite a lot in this uh, in this episode and you've given so many inspiring words and encouraging words. Um, so I'd just love to ask if you have any closing uh, encouraging words for aspiring financial planners. Look, I don't think that uh, anyone that starts a career today is necessarily going to do that same job for the next 30 or 40 years. But if you want a job that offers you incredible diversity and incredible challenge, I think, and you do possibly want to stay in the one job for a long time, I think financial planning actually offers that. So as much as technology is going to change the way we deliver advice, I think it's going to enhance how we deliver advice. And if you want the fact that you sit in front of three or four or five different clients a day or a week, they're all different. Their needs are all different. Therefore, the solutions you provide them are all going to be different. So if you want to see a profession that is emerging, that is growing, that has got complete public acceptance now because of the new standards and all that noise that we've gone through in the past, then you've really got a great opportunity ahead of you to build something that is substantial and is really making a difference. Uh, one of my great friends and mentors says that he feels financial planning is making a positive, meaningful difference in the lives of his clients every day. And that's how I like to look at it. And the only way you can make a meaningful difference is because you provide a solution that's different for every client because it's what the client needs. So there, I think there's great opportunity in having a career and building a career here. Yeah, I could not agree with you more, Marissa. And I just want to say thank you again so much for joining us on this episode and sharing all of those encouraging words. I know I've met you in person a few times and you've always been so incredibly friendly and welcoming. So I'd encourage anyone listening to this podcast, if you do get the opportunity to meet Marissa, go and say hello. She is, she is lovely and she'll be more than willing to chat. Oh, I'm very humbled by that. Thank you very much. But I think they should actually meet you first because you're an absolute inspiration. So thank you for the opportunity to be with you. Thank you, Marissa. I really appreciate your time. Bye. Hi there, it's Azaria, your host, and I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It has been such a joy to bring this to you in conjunction with the Financial Planning Association of Australia, and I really hope that you found this valuable and informative, just as I have speaking to all of our amazing guests in this series. As you would have heard me say over the last few episodes, the Financial Planning Association has really helped me personally kickstart my career and I could not recommend more getting involved with the FBA, getting your student membership and heading to the events that they make available as you never know what opportunities may present themselves. The FPA provides so many great resources for students and career changes, so make sure you head to fba.com.au to find out how you can get involved. It has been an absolute pleasure bringing this content to you and I wish you all the best of luck for a fulfilling career in financial planning. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Future Financial Planners podcast brought to you by the Financial Planning Association of Australia. For great resources and a free student membership, find us at fba.com.au. Good advice makes for great futures.